Wolf and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. <laughs> what is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. <laughs> Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the auction community studios on this Thursday morning. It is the Wolf and Luke show. We got a good Thursday night football game coming up tonight. Um, got Lorenzo Alexander joining us for an hour here shortly. We got a lot to get to. Wolf, how's your morning? It's going well, man. Seriously. I always love it whenever Zoe actually comes in and talks it up, chops it up a little bit. Can't wait for that. Thursday night, as you said, we've got a football game tonight. That should be really, really good. And when you looked at it coming into this season, I know you were actually high on the Miami Dolphins. I was not. It wasn't this high, though. I certainly did not think that um, if if we were talking about this week and this matchup on Thursday night, that it would be the Dolphins who were... 3 and 0 and not the Bengals. Yeah, yeah that and the, and the Bengals are going to be wearing those zebra uniforms tonight, the white uh, tiger uniforms. <laughs> they look kind of cool. I they do look kind of cool, the snow tiger. I like it, man. I do too. Um this has nothing to do with what we're about to talk about, but I just heard Sarah bring it up during the update Aaron Judge, 61 home runs last about night. It, man. How Honestly. much It was it's funny when she says so now he's tied for 7th all-time single season, right? How much would Major League Baseball love it? And, and there's no way he could. He, Barry Bonds had 73 one year. Yeah. But how much would Major League Baseball love it if he just went off and passed Sosa three times and McGuire twice and just because Aaron Judge is just six foot seven and hits a bunch of home runs? Sure, of course. You know it's what he does right there. 61. Roger Maris's record, man, is AL record. That is truly amazing right there. Um, he's certainly destined, it would seem, to break that. And yet at the same time, when you bring it up, you had to throw out. Barry Bonds, you know, and you know, people are yelling at the radio as soon as you say that. But they're probably yelling in agreement of it would it would have been nice if Judge just passed everybody. (laughs) Just the very name being mentioned, Barry Bonds, man, that's that's a hard thing. He was such a great player before he actually started juicing. Uh, yeah, he's the one I don't get. He, he didn't need to do any of that stuff. He's one of the best pure hitters I've ever seen. Just honestly, to think that you say the name Barry Bonds. Legacy. You want to talk about legacy? Nobody even talks about him. That looms. Think about that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Crazy. Uh, on to the football game that is coming up on Sunday. And I think, Wolf, we have to start here. Matt Rule yesterday giving an update on Christian McCaffrey. Just, he limited, uh, he didn't practice today as normal, you know, and, uh, um, has, has a uh, quad that he's dealing with. So we'll hopefully no more tomorrow. So just check my day by day. Had it been a Thursday, would you practice with him? I, I have no comment until tomorrow. Like, I, you know, I don't know. We don't, we don't have a practice on Wednesday. So. I'm sorry. After the game. After the game. I didn't know anything about it during the game. After the game, um, you know, Monday morning, they, they talked about it. Did you hear Bill Belichick yesterday when they asked him about Mac Jones? And he was um, like, do you yes. think I'm looking at the x-ray? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's that's the way to just run away from any sort of uh, prognosis for your players. It's just amazing the way that's it. That is the one thing I remember about Bill Belichick so much is just the fact he was never ever going to give you any kind of legit update on a guy that was nicked up. He was not going to do <laughs> he still it. Still doesn't, and he still does not. It's truly amazing, man. Uh, McCaffrey, look, it's the understatement of the year. McCaffrey's a big deal, but uh, everything they do runs through Christian McCaffrey. Now he's not out because he didn't practice on Wednesday, 
But let's be real here, Wolf. This guy has had a extremely difficult time staying on the field the last two years in particular. If he doesn't play on Sunday, the Cardinals have no excuse to not win this game going away. Yeah, you know, again, though, this is something after watching tape on the Carolina Panthers base and audience, this is something they do very, very well. They, they do run the ball. If there is one thing their offense does well, I would say it's running the football. Um, their defense battles on the line of scrimmage, but they're much, they're much better in terms of their pass defense than they are their rush defense. They're, they're average when it comes to the rush defense. But it's still the one area, I think, when you're talking about the kind of day that they could be playing on on Sunday with a lot of rain, of course, the gloomy rain. I think the Panthers are actually better suited to actually win the game. I think they're better suited. Now, does that mean they're going to win the game based on earnings? No, it does not mean that. But the Panthers can run the ball. It's what their offense does, and it does well. I think it's the only thing their offense does well. Um, and the Cardinals aren't bad at running the ball, but the way the Panthers run the ball is more conducive to playing in the conditions that I think we're going to see on Sunday. I, I'm with you. You know, the... Um even if they don't have Christian McCaffrey, Dante Foreman is their backup now. It seems like seems uh, like him see, and Chubba Hubbard they don't split have it. Christian McCaffrey, I think that changes everything. Well, it does. It, it, that's what I say. It changes everything. Foreman was fine last year for Tennessee at times when Derrick Henry was out, but you're talking about in McCaffrey one of the two or three best running backs in the NFL, one of the two or three maybe most explosive athletes in the yeah. NFL. The only knock of Christian McCaffrey, let's be clear, is that he just can't stay on the field. That's the only knock. Uh, but I, I I tend to agree with what you just said. If this game is conducive with the weather and, right. and the way the Panthers want to play, this is conducive to the Panthers forcing this to be another one of their 19-16, 21-19 type games. And that's fine. But uh, the Cardinals, that, of course, means clock management's got to be on. You can't have any weird moments where you got to burn a timeout trying to get a play in after a delay a game. That's the stuff that if you clean that up, I think this week you win the game. See, uh, the Carolina Panthers are much more north-south than the Arizona Cardinals are in terms of how they run the ball for the most part. And, again, it changes everything. If Christian McCaffrey's not there, I, 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 it changes everything. It does. I'm not going to say that they're better suited to actually um, win the game because of their scheme. But well, they, they don't are. win when he doesn't play. They, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple. It's, it's pretty cool. I mean, Big Red is more east-west, as I said. And until otherwise noted, my expectation remains the same going forward. The, the Cardinals are more horizontal and, and less vertical. And the Panthers are more vertical as opposed to less horizontal. And with the conditions being what they are, I think that favors the Panthers if Christian McCaffrey plays. Yes, yes. Uh, last year they were, well, two years ago they were 4-3 and three with McCaffrey when he was on the field. And some of those games were even just partial games. Last year they were only 1-2 and two with him, but overall they have struggled the last two years, especially when he is not out there on the field. I don't know, maybe the Giants with Saquon Barkley? I don't know if there's another team in the NFL that is so geared offensively through one player. Do you? I mean, even Derrick Henry in Tennessee, Man. I feel like they... they See, have... I, I... Yeah, I... They have some talent on the perimeter, of course, in Tennessee. Um, although, I, I will say, what they do with Derrick Henry is so critical. He'd be the other um, one. I would say the Cleveland Browns as well with Nick Chubb. 
what they do with Chubb. Chubb dominates that offense. Yeah, um, that's. That, I, I guess with McCaffrey, it's he's also such a huge part of the passing game, and they really don't have a second option. At least right. in Cleveland, they use Kareem Hunt a little bit. But you're right. Yes. I mean, those are. But either way, you're talking about some of the best players in the in the game, and one of them is questionable at the moment, at least for Carolina. And this is Zayvon Collins yesterday talking about facing Christian McCaffrey if he plays. Um, yeah, just try and, you know, definitely have our eyes on him whenever you have someone as versatile as him. Um, and he's, you know, outstanding running back. But, uh, yeah, it's just follow the game plan and stick to it. You know, the coaches scheme up something for us every week. That's nice, and we just got to stick to our game plan. Yeah, they got to stick to the game plan, no doubt. Um, the Panthers are going to get into power personnel groups. They do it about 30% of the time, and they're going to execute physical schemes. They use a lot of 12 personnel. They use a lot of two tight ends. They use a fullback as well. Giovanni Ricci. All right. Giovanni Ricci. I From the love Italian that. football league. They, they use a fullback. They get into the I formation. They run plays from 1982. <laughs> I'm just, it is, it's really, really cool to see Matt Roll. Here's a college coach who is blending the old and the new. Um, and I think he'd use a lot more of the new. I really do believe that if, in fact, he had a quarterback that was a little a more fleet of foot. Because Baker Mayfield, it's not like Baker Mayfield is a guy who's going to get the edge a lot of the time. No, I feel like he could run a little bit in college, but college isn't the NFL. And Correct. to finish the stat that I was working on for like 12 minutes, simple math <laughs> shouldn't take this long. Uh, the, the Panthers are 5-5 five and five with Christian McCaffrey the last two years. They are 5-18 and 18 without him. So, unless you think we are over exaggerating wow. just how important he is, uh, I think that stat tells the story. When we come back, uh, DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams, that situation going to be a distraction or is this going to go away, you know, before the start of the season? Devin Booker weighed in yesterday. We'll get you his thoughts next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. the show here on a Thursday morning, Wolf, and it's inevitable that uh, guys on the Phoenix Suns roster that aren't DeAndre Ayton or Monty Williams are going to be asked, uh, what exactly is going on <laughs> with DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams? Devin, and, can I talk to yeah, you for a minute? Seems like Devin would be the first one to maybe talk to, so uh, he spoke yesterday about the fact that his teammate and his coach aren't speaking. Been on top of each other for a long time, and I didn't talk to coach much at all this summer either and the times that I did he stressed the fact of getting away and having that feeling of, of missing the game missing your team and, and like you said you know it's a long season we're with each other every day I think it's fine to get away from each other um, we're about to spend the next seven months eight months right on top of each other every day I mean we see each other more than we see see our family so I think it's always good to get away get quiet and, you know, remove yourself from, from this industry and lifestyle. I mean, 
I mean, look, it, it's, well, <laughs> I, just, I, I, I don't get the disconnect here. Do I think this is going to be an issue all season? No. Do I think it's going to be an issue opening night when they play Dallas? No. I don't think it's going to be an issue. But it's just kind of weird. And does Devin Booker need Monty Williams to talk to him in the offseason? No, probably not. Devin Booker's like on a yacht in Italy half of the offseason. But, uh, but DeAndre Ayton clearly was bothered by it. Well, I was just going to say that right there, Luke, because first of all, um, if you notice, D Book said, well, you know, we didn't talk much. Much. <laughs> much. All right, much. We didn't talk much. Uh, okay, that's a little bit different right there. Book, that's a little bit different, only from the standpoint that he didn't talk at all. And by the way, they were yelling at each other, I think, or did something. The last time everybody saw them, the last time we saw the Suns, Lil Wayne was reporting that there was a problem between Monty Williams and DeAndre and they didn't speak for five months. It's weird. Right, it is weird. So let's just just go ahead and acknowledge the fact that it's weird right there. Um, How should players react to these questions in regard to DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams? Um, I think going forward right now, if I'm inside that locker room and I'm one of the team leaders inside that locker room, I'm talking to the guys that are in that locker room and I'm saying right now, Hey, you know what? That's between coach and Deandre. Um, you'll have to ask them. I have no comment on that. You, you, the, the last thing you need to do is turn this dynamic into a triangle or worse. Trapezoid? Uh, no. Uh, well, a trapezoid. Yeah, but yeah like that's a four-sided triangle. How about triangle. a pentagon? No. Not. How about a hexagon? Now you've gone crazy. You don't want that's it. too many Okay, sides. I'm just no. saying right now, you don't want that. You want a direct line between Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton. Those are the only people that should have to comment at all on this right now. And if I'm Devin Booker, if I'm Chris Paul... That's the stance I'm taking right now. Yeah. I got no comment on no, that. That's, uh, I mean, I'm fine with Booker saying what he said. I, I don't think people are going to keep asking Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Oh, they're going to keep asking. You think, I, oh, yeah. I feel like they're going to keep asking everybody once. But at a certain point, how many times can you ask Mikel Bridges, hey, why okay. aren't your, your teammate and your coach speaking? I'm talking about even when you go to other cities, right? Even oh, when you well, go to yeah. other cities. They're going to be asked over and over about this. Heck yeah. You've got to get it ready. Hey, listen, i got no comment on that. Next. Just why, why do these training camps for our Valley teams have to start with such weirdness this year? You had... You had the story with the study clause, the independent study clause with Kyler at the start of the, uh, the the training camp, but that really hasn't come up much other than I've seen people talk about it a little bit nationally on TV, but that they kind of squashed that. This could easily be squashed. Nobody walked into camp being like, hmm, let's ask DA how much he talks to Monty Williams in the yeah. offseason because I, I had a feeling they didn't speak. This wasn't a story until DA said something. Right. So just talk to DA and end it. And not only that, too, it was interesting to hear D. Book and his comment right there because I I was thinking the same thing. DeAndre obviously thought there was something behind it. Yeah. He was a little put out that he had not talked to Monty Williams at all. And we all saw it. That's that is the <laughs> I mean, the most simple like <laughs> It doesn't matter if Monty Williams thinks it was an issue. It doesn't matter if Devin Booker <laughs> thinks it was an issue. It doesn't right. matter if you or I think it's an issue. It doesn't matter if anybody thinking or listening thinks it was an issue. If DeAndre Ayton thinks it was an issue, then there's at least something there. So once again, it comes back to this right here, Basonians. What kind of impact will this have on this team going forward? This dynamic, what kind of impact will this have? Ooh, now, all of a sudden, because it will impact the guys in that locker room. It will impact DeAndre Ayton's teammates. It will. 
my question is are are they are are they in on this <laughs> that's well, yeah. that's kind Your of my conspiracy question. theory it is so it just I, I took your conspiracy theory yesterday and I was thinking about it, okay? And this is sort of what happened uh, a couple weeks ago, too, with uh, with the Robert Sarver stuff. I kind of came more to, like, a middle ground on your conspiracy theory and what we're being told. <laughs> Would it not be at least a possibility yes. that Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton got into it during Game 7? Big okay. deal. You know, maybe, right. maybe... It happens. Yeah, maybe it was kind of boiling over towards that for a few games leading up to it. It maybe, is so normal for a player and a coach to have it. Out. 100%. And that one just happened to be seen by Lil Wayne and anybody in the first couple rows right. and it got reported. Okay, so that that part's all normal. That's fine. And then maybe in the offseason, okay, there's kind of the back and forth with DA. Are they going to let him sign somewhere else? Is he worth a max deal? Okay, he gets his money, but only because the Suns had to offer. So he would like a call from his coach. But maybe his coach is like, you know what? We've been trying to push this guy. He just got paid. Yeah. I'm not pushing him anymore. Yeah. He can figure it out on his own. Right. It's Maybe time it's to grow that. up. It's time to grow up right now. I honestly think this is what they're doing. This is what they're saying. They have coddled. I, okay, maybe that's too strong a word for him. Um, They've invested a lot of effort into yes. how to handle him. Yes, exactly right. And because of that, right now, at some point in time, every dude has got to be able to stand on his own two feet and go out and make decisions for his life. And I think... At this point in time, they've tried everything else, and now um, it's the only thing that makes sense to me, Basin Arnie. It's the only thing that explains what is happening. The only thing that allows your DeAndre Ayton, of all people, DeAndre Ayton to get in front of a microphone after he signs a $133 million contract in the offseason and to find out that he's had no communication with his head coach. It's the only thing that explains it to me. This is this is a last ditch effort basically to just see if in fact he'll ever get the intensity thing, ever get the consistency that he needs to bring that intensity to the floor with on a night-in, night-out basis. It is a mystifying story to me because it's so out of character for Monty Williams, but I don't think it's really going to impact the Suns because I think they're safeguarded so many different ways. Either either it's intentional, like you're saying, and maybe this spurs DeAndre Ayton to even better things, or it doesn't, and he gets frustrated, and they trade him. I mean, I don't think this is going to be like something that's going to impact them in the playoffs, which is really all I care about. Because he'll either be here and he'll be better, or he'll be gone. Yeah. Or, or it's as simple as you know, Monty maybe doesn't sit down and talk with him, but you know, he says something in practice. Something happens in practice, and Monty says something, and everybody just kind of laughs, and we start moving forward. Like this is sure. It's not the 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 fact that they're not speaking is not going to submarine the season. But the fact that they're not speaking is still a story because yeah. something's going on. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. But Luke, once again, um, what kind of impact will have will this have on this team? I, I hope this has a huge impact on this team because I hope DeAndre Ayton does. Ding! I get it. I understand what it takes now. I that's what I think this is all about. Again, I could be dead wrong on this. This is what I think it is all about. And if that is the case, and if he does get it, it could have a massive impact, a championship impact on this team. And that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, one more from Booker about uh, DeAndre Ayton. They asked him if he thinks he's changed at all. He's been saying to me, he's coming in here, he's working hard, and he's getting after it. You know, so you know, that's the energy of our team. That's the, that's the motto, coming here and 
put our head down and work. I'll tell you what, <laughs> and I don't think this was intentional. They answered their questions about Sarver on Monday. It's not even a story anymore because all anybody's talking about is DeAndre <laughs> right. Ayton. So if you wanted to not have to talk about that anymore, on to the next thing. And that next thing is DeAndre Ayton. Hey. Hey. Luke. Yes. That's a reason even more to do it. Yeah. See, this is this is an orchestration right here from the top down, maybe. The focus has been shifted to at least a closer version of basketball in the last 48 Just hours. Just drop it and walk out. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Does Kyler Murray need to run more for the Cardinals to be successful? The stats are actually pretty clear. We'll get into them next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hi, this is Kyler Murray, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Nobody in this room is fast as this kid. He's like that little kid. You can't catch me. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Snap to Murray, and he's going to keep it off the left side. He's at the 10, at the 5. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Our guy is one of those that gives you a chance every Sunday, and at his best, you know, I don't know who's better in this league. Let's be the best. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals. Now. I feel like we can build right off that uh, rejoin, actually. Just Kyler okay. Murray and that, that cut from Cliff saying when he's at his best, I don't know if there's anybody better in this league. I feel like we saw a version of Kyler getting close to his best at the start of last season. Uh, and, and there were times where he, he looked like he was almost unstoppable. But um, I think the running component is a huge part of why he is. So when if you want Kyler at his best, that involves running the football. Yeah, you know, once again, you know how I feel about this right now. If, in fact, Kyler Murray has to run the ball for your offense to be effective, um, you know what, that sucks buttermilk because it's not going to work. At some point in time, Kyler Murray's going to go down. So you can throw all the stats at me you want. Like, oh, you know what, um, they're 0-11-1 when he rushes less than four times. But if he gets hurt, he'll run rush zero times if he gets hurt true and if he does and then you got no, with Colt McCoy. and then you got no chance of actually going into the postseason and making any type of noise as far as I'm concerned I, I, say, I and I don't disagree with that um, if you need him to run for your offense to be effective you're in trouble I think you need him to run a little bit though for your offense to be dangerous if you want your offense to be truly dangerous and scarce I agree these teams, with that this is the stat, and, and, and you found the stat that you just read where they're 0 11 and 1 when he rushes less than four times, and they're 9 and 1 when he, uh, when he runs at least 10 times in a game. But honestly, Wolf, this is the stat that really stands out to me. He's run the ball 12 times this year. Here's the quarterbacks that have run the ball more than Kyler Murray this year, okay? Just attempts. Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, Marcus Mariota, Josh Allen, Trey Lance, who didn't even play last week, <laughs> Joe Burrow. Mac Jones has run the ball more wow. than Kyler Murray this year and Jacoby Brissett. And wow. I, I just think that's too low when he well, when it's not even a part of his game. Yeah, but here's the whole thing about that. Uh, those quarterbacks are scrambling a lot of the time. Those runs right yes. there. That that list you just went down, there's a lot of those quarterbacks that are scrambling. Um when teams play Kyler Murray base and onions, you know what they're trying to do more than anything else? They're trying to collapse a pocket around them. They're, they're trying to, to run. they're trying to keep exactly right. They put a spy on them and they're trying to keep them in the pocket. And that's one of the reasons why it's so imperative. Kyler Murray throws the ball. It is able to throw the ball, especially from the pocket and throw it well. But he that's could do how both. you're going to beat. What do you mean? Well, he could do both. 
I mean, it's 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 been. I feel run like it's the been ball like, from the pocket. No, 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 no. I'm saying he can be he can throw from the pocket, but also sometimes run the ball too. Yeah, but once again, when you're collapsing the pocket around him, five man rusher, you got to spy on him. It's very difficult for him to run the ball from the scramble. Now, are you talking about designed runs? I, you know, I don't love the designed runs as much. Uh, I, I would prefer the scramble, and I think what you're saying is important because I, I, I a lot of people look and they say, well, Cliff doesn't want him to run. But what you're saying is the other team is basically saying, we don't want you to that's run. exactly right. No, <laughs> and, and they don't want him to run. Because that is that is where a lot of people look at this and say, well, look at it from the other team's perspective. Do you want Kyler Murray throwing to Greg Dortch, or do you want Kyler Murray running because you can't stop him? And that's it. You were kind of getting there the same way. You're saying, yeah, the other team's terrified of him running, and they're not letting him run. Yeah. You know, they're going to put a spy on Kyler Murray for the most part. Um, you see a lot of five-man rushes where they are trying to collapse the pocket around him. You see a lot of four-man rushes where a linebacker will suck up and he's doing one thing and one thing only, and that is looking where Kyler Murray is. Um, yeah, you don't want Kyler out on the edge either. That's the other thing right there. They don't want him on the edge where he can use his speed. They want him in a north-south situation where you have to run through that spy. That spy doesn't want you getting outside the pocket. And it's one of the reasons why, once again, you see it over and over and over again. It's one of the reasons why when the Cardinals played the Raiders, they were able to be so effective against the Raiders in the second half. And it's because you weren't getting a lot of Max Crosby coming underneath. You weren't getting that a lot. Like we've seen on tape, we've seen him do over and over and over again. You weren't getting a lot of that. You weren't getting Chan coming underneath a lot of the time either. They were coming up the fit. Why? They were trying to keep Kyler. That helped the tackles that day. Helped the tackles actually block those guys. Now, it wasn't wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but that's what Kyler Murray does. They want to keep him in the pocket, spy him up, Keep him in the pocket, force him to throw from the pocket, and that's why he's not getting a lot of opportunity to scramble. Now, if you want designed runs, runs once again, at some point in time, you're going to have to pay the piper on that. What are you willing to do? How many games are you willing for him to miss? Now, he could get hurt, of course, on anything. He could get hurt on any play. But when he does run the ball, his chances of getting hurt go up. Just understand that. Well, that I think that's the... Um the fear, if you're a Cardinals fan, is are you being too careful? And, and and there's obviously some risk, but there's risk in football. Like you just said, a guy could get hurt on any play. Do I want Do I want to see Kyler Murray running as much as Jalen Hurts, who has, I, I can't even count how many, 26 attempts already. There's no, 37, 37 rushing attempts for Jalen Hurts already this season. No, he's going to get hurt. Kyler's smaller than him. Lamar Jackson's run it 26 times. I don't want him running that much. But you also can't be like, well, he might get hurt, so we can't run him. Well, our guys might get hurt, so we can't use him in the preseason. Like, look, it's just getting you where you're just stagnant. Yeah, no, I I understand that. But, um, again, if, in fact, you're going to... If you're going to start doing this, saying we need more design runs, that's all we need. Because I'm all for Kyler scrambling. You know that. Yeah. I'm all for that. Pull the ball down. Are you kidding? I'd love to see us do more of this. This is something the Seattle Seahawks used to do for years. Four verts. Run four receivers down this the This is field. what I want. Exactly what you're describing. This is how I want him running. Four verts. Run four receivers deep down the field and have Kyler sit there and pull the ball down and run. Russell Wilson used to do it over and over. How many times have we seen that? Especially when Russ was young. Year two. Year three. Over and over. He'd pull it down. Third and 11. 
They'd run four verts down the field that the entire secondary is going with him. The, the linebackers even underneath going with him. He'd pull the ball down and convert, run 12 yards and slide. Move the chains first. So demoralizing to a defense. I don't know how you stop it. So for me, once again, I'd love to see Collar doing that. I'd love to see that. But if you're going to sit there and say, well, he's got to, hey, 10 times. No, ten, we got to no, go ahead and we got to line up and we got to run quarterback draw and we got to run counter and we got to run uh, power with, with our quarterback. Man, you're, you're just, you're not going to have your quarterback very long. You, you do have to be, you know, sensitive to what he is, too. He is not Lamar Jackson. Hey, we're going to run it right up the middle for Lamar 79 Jackson's yards. Jackson's a running back who can throw. But, but he might win MVP again this year, too. But yes, for, for Kyler. And I love Lamar. What you're talking about where you just, and you've got the receivers to do it, too, when they're healthy. When it's just, okay, let's have Rondell Moore sprint down the field and Hollywood Brown sprint down the field. And as a defense, you can't let them just run by you. And you're opening the field for Kyler Murray. If if those guys aren't um, open to just go get ten or twelve yards, because the thing about Kyler Murray, no, he's not big. He's not as big as these other running quarterbacks, but he is very good at okay. I can just get eleven yards here and I'll get out of bounds. You know what I mean? He is so good at avoiding the hits that can be frustrating when he just slides and takes a sack. But yeah. but when he gets out and runs, he doesn't typically take hits because he's smart about see, that. You know, it's and and he is so good at that. I'd like to see him even more aggressive. I would. Lower the if you're shoulder. Gonna, if you're gonna, no, 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 <laughs> not take somebody on. Don't do that. That was <laughs> stick his face in the fan. No, <laughs> don't do that, Kyler. Don't do that. Don't I'd like to see that. him be more aggressive. I, I honestly, if he listen, there are ways not to take a, the brunt of a hit. You don't try to truck the guy. Okay, Kyler, <laughs> listen to me, Kyler. Don't try to truck him. But again, if he made a little move. And just wouldn't go down, just kept running, man, I guarantee you, man, his teammates would be all jacked up, pretty fired up right there. I feel like we saw a glimpse of it at the end of that Raiders game where he goes into that mode of like, if I have to run, I will. They're not stopping us. That's exactly right. And not only that, he broke a sack. Max Crosby Crosby. had him dead to right. And he fought it. And that, to me, is what he's got to do. He's got to fight that, the contact, because his his teammates will rally around him. So fight the contact in the backfield, but when he gets out and scrambles, just go ahead and get out of bounds, because you got eight yeah. yards, you don't need the ninth. That's yeah. fine. you got 15, you don't Unless need the Unless you want to be more aggressive and make a move and boom. <laughs> Text fan to 620-620 for your chance to become the Redbird Farms chicken fan of the game. One lucky winner will win two tickets to an upcoming Arizona Cardinals home game and be featured on the Jumbotron. That's fan to 620-620. Is the season still salvageable for ASU? They're only 25-point underdogs on Saturday. One of us thinks it is, and it's not me. We'll explain next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. As we looked this up at dinner last night, Wolf, a few of us that have ties to ASU that were at dinner were like, I wonder how much ASU is an underdog to USC, and I'm going to double-check it now. But uh, when we looked it up last night, they are... Plus 25. Oh, <laughs> yeah, wow. And I don't know how you would even look something like this up. I'm sure somebody knows how to do it. 
that's got to be, if it's not the biggest underdog ASU's ever been, it's got to be among the biggest, right? To be, I mean, to be 25-point underdogs. And, and USC's legit. I mean, I, I think they are a, a contender to be in the playoff. I think that they're that good. So I'm not saying it's wrong. I just can't remember the last time ASU was that big of an underdog. Yeah. Um, you know what? Honestly, I don't care because whatever it was, who cares? It's just some person saying, you know, this is what <laughs> I don't care. Look at when I think of the ASU Sun Devils right now in the state of the football program, I know it seems decimated and it does. It's as dark as dark can possibly be right now. And I could just see it written all over your face <laughs> when I look over. It is, oh my goodness. But there, there are some things that you can salvage from this year. There are. They're called people. People that can actually help you win games in a couple of years. Individual players can get better. If there is one thing right now that you can salvage from this year, it's players that are in that locker room for the Sun Devils right now. And it doesn't matter so much of the time, so much of the time, it doesn't matter who the head coach is. It just matters that he's being coached well from his position coach. And and he'll be given the opportunity to go out and play. Individual players can get better, and they must. And they can help you in two years actually turn this program around and be a winner. Yeah. There is something to be salvaged. This goes to the bigger picture of this is not a great time to be bottoming out in college football because <laughs> there's no roadmap like there used to be of, okay, let's get after this. And, you know, I'm going to invest in Emory Jones. He's going to be here for three years. We're going to do this. We're going to, you know, we're come together as maybe, even if we're a less talented team, we're going to be more disciplined. You hear some of the stuff that Sean Aguano is doing at practice. And it's like, that's great. Yeah. And they need that. But Aguano might not be here and none of these players might be here in, in, you know, in eight more games. And that's just tough to actually rebuild in that sort of environment. Yeah. Um, what's so cool about it though is a lot of the time, especially if a guy is playing, a guy is starting, a guy's getting reps out there right now. Um, would you say that all of these players typically have hopes of playing in the NFL at some point in I time? I would think they all do on So, some you know what? None, they want to get better. They want to. And if, in fact, um, they're given the opportunity to go out and get better, a lot of these guys do just by repetition, just by experience, just by going out and doing it. They can get better. And again, I'm not saying they're all going to be um, all conference. I'm not saying these guys are, are suddenly going to become all American players. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, you can make a kid better this year. There are guys that are going to play this year who can get better and will help you win in two years. That's what can be salvaged from this season, and it's not even close. Now, I know that rings hollow right now, but player development is something that the Sun Devils really need to get much better at, in my opinion. Yeah. Player development. You you need to... Do it, and I. The reason it rings hollow is because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, "Are we developing these players so they can go play somewhere else next year?" But you, you can't think that way. Like you still need to do it. 
right? You yes. still have to develop these players with the hope that maybe you develop some of these guys, and by the end of the season, they're like, you know what? I'm getting so much better here, I'm not going to go play somewhere else. Now, this is where it's different from years past. It's not just the transfer portal. It's, well, but this other place, now that I'm good, is offering me half a million dollars, and ASU isn't. So <laughs> at a certain point, you're going to lose some of those guys. But you're right. The mindset still has to be, let's get better. You can't think of it as being hopeless. Right. No, you can't. And yet at the same time, I know exactly. I mean, this is this is the truth. It's the truth, man. There are players inside that locker room that you can actually get better. That's what can be salvaged more than anything else. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of the disappointment and the failure of Herm and this coaching staff. Um, I, I have to tell you, I, how many how many kids did not get better underneath Herm? That I, Jaden got worse. He was good I, as a freshman, I and I don't know if that's. I mean, you could it's, you could blame that on a few people, I but know. he got worse. And and that to me is I, I'm again I was um, all for the hire of Herm Edwards. Uh, I I thought it was actually going to be a slam dunk. I thought he was going to be so good at his job and what it is that you needed to do. I just didn't know that he would be as um, seemingly disconnected as he was. And I I think this is one of the. One of the areas that it it hurts me the most to talk about this because I don't think he really did develop a lot of guys, and that's hurt this program. Yeah, and it's, they need to be developed. It's amplified by the fact that we are in that transfer portal nil, and there was COVID in there as well. And I'm not absolving Herm because you're right, guys just did not develop, but. It mixed in all that were three other ways for if guys did develop, they're playing somewhere else or they didn't develop because they played four games in one season two years ago. Uh, Chris Cartman of Sun Devil Source was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, and he talked about players showing up late now. In the past, that was just kind of like, all right, whatever, just like 15-yard penalties after you make a stop on third down. Sean Aguano not uh, quite as patient with showing up late to practice. Totally agree. Uh, you know, we saw in uh, even in ASU's camp like a month or so ago, a month and a half ago now, we saw a couple captains show up one day late to a practice. It was a few minutes late, you know, maybe not a big deal to some people, but the discipline plan really starts with uh, having accountability to what the rules are and then making sure that nobody uh, violates that and then you have to see up you have to adhere to that from the top of your organization all the way down you said attention to detail last week when we talked about asu and i think that that more than anything else is what was missing the last few years attention to detail little things that you're like blows my mind big deal this guy showed up five minutes late to practice well yeah big deal except what is that leading to what's the snowball effect here what is this what's leading to hey we made a big stop on third and 13 against utah last year oh but we took a 15 uh, yard penalty for shoving him in the back afterwards now we're gonna lose discipline is so critical to any football team to any sport i would say but especially the hyper aggressive physical sport that is the game of football it's so important discipline is critical and if you don't have it inside a locker room you're doomed and that's the other big disappointment, to hear things like that. Really? They would, have, they would have banged on your door at 3 o'clock in the morning, the next morning, and got your butt out of bed to run gassers out on the field until you barfed. That's what most coaches would do. Most programs would do something similar to that 
back when I was playing. I know it's not nearly as punitive now, especially with the transfer portal. Oh, yeah, coach, you're going to do that to me? I'm just going to go. Bell. It's just ridiculous. Uh, well, here's the point we're at now, Wolf. I just started taking notes at the game the other day in the stands uh, of what was going on around me. You want me to read you some of these? These yeah. were things I was like, I probably shouldn't tweet these, but I'll just say them on the air, okay? Uh, let's see. Uh, ASU constantly taking penalties has robbed me of, of the ability to even complain about officiating. That's one of the things that's gone in the last couple of years. I can't even blame the officials. Um, this conversation came up. Would it really matter if ASU had five downs on offense? Oh, like, think man. about it, really. Would it, would it really change the outcome of the game? And there were a lot of people chanting, bring back Herm around me. So that, that didn't oh, feel like a great, uh, it was just not a great environment at these games anymore. Wow. And you know how it is with college football. Even if your team doesn't have national title aspirations or isn't going to win their conference, when you're actually at the game in college football, it's just kind of like, okay, let's win this game. Right, it's the experience of being. They get student section going crazy. They're always going to show up. People just want to see you win that game that night. And I think something broke even more when at home they couldn't beat Eastern Michigan. Obviously, it did because Michael Crow felt the same way. And now here we are going to play USC. You know, honestly, right now the import of this next hire, whomever that may be, is so critical. It cannot be measured with human hands. Seriously. Uh, when we come back, back to the NFL, how concerned should we be with these slow starts for the Cardinals? Is there anything they can do about it? We're going to ask 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander next in the lowdown. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.